compliment for us is a compliment for you. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to yet another episode of The Porch Podcast. My name is Kate Cotton, and I am here this week with another lovely guest host. Say your name. Go for it. Mark Radlin. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. I have not. I haven't. I've never been a guest on a show. I'm, I'm used to hosting these. I'm like, what do I do I, here? <laughs> what a great you know, I'm kind, I'm kind of the same way because Jesse's usually my uh, she's my leader. And so it's really hard for me to be in this position where I'm introing people. So I feel that I feel that we're kind of in a little bit of a role reversal today, but we'll work with it. How are you, Mark? I'm doing well, Kate. Thank you for having me on today. I'm, uh, I'm yeah, really, nope. really excited to uh, to be talk- to be talking about uh, Pearl Jam and, and one of one of my favorite Pearl Jam songs, for that matter. Too. Oh, it is definitely one of the best. I think we're going to have a good episode um, for everybody coming up. Um, so, just a little bit about our podcast um, for our loyal listeners who've been with us forever. I'm sure you'll notice that Jesse is not on today. As I've explained in the past, Jessie is taking a little bit of a pause because she's got a lot going on with work and stuff like that. So um, I'm taking the reins for a little while. I'm going to have some guest people on. For example, a couple of weeks ago, I had Brad Blazik from Single Podcast Theory. This week, I have Mark Radland from On The Rocks podcast, which we'll get to in just a second. But before we do that, I just want to let everyone know what our show is about um, in case this is your first episode. Um, we are an all Pearl Jam podcast. We di- We pick one song a week. From their discography, we, we dissect it, we analyze it, we talk about what it means to us, the fans, the band, and just, you know, go on long, long, long tangents about Pearl Jam, because that's our favorite thing to do. Um, and that being said, I'm just going to get this housekeeping stuff out of the way before we get talking to Mark. Um, if you would like to find us on our social media sites, we are on Facebook. You could just search our name, The Porch Podcast. We are on Instagram. Uh, at PJ Porch Podcast. We are also available by email. Um, we sometimes read emails on the show. So if you want to get your your voice involved with our show, you can email us there at pjporchpodcast at gmail.com. And the cherry on top of this all, we also have a Patreon page, which gets you lots of really cool stuff throughout the year. Um, that's patreon.com slash the porch podcast. Um, we have three different tiers Each tier kind of gets you a little bit more, Um, but essentially all that money that you're putting into us, we're giving right back to you. We do giveaways. We do mystery boxes for our top tier. Um, We've done a special episode for our Patreon listeners, you know, stuff like that. So if you want to get involved in that way, that's patreon.com slash the porch podcast. All right. Now that all the boring stuff is out of the way. (laughs) Mark, I mentioned that um, you have your own podcast. Before you get into that, why don't you just tell um, our listeners a little bit about, you know, who you are and what's your deal? (laughs) Yeah. What is my deal is a good question. What is is my deal? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, uh, so I'm Mark. I, uh, I have a podcast called On the Rocks Podcast, which is... God, how would I explain it? It's it's kind of like a variety show, but it's mainly centered around rock and roll, a little pop culture in there as well. Um, do some interviews, some uh, kind of album celebrations, uh, some band celebrations. You and Jesse are both on for uh, Pearl Jam's 30th birthday, for example. So do a lot of those types of episodes. And then we also do um, these episodes called uh, Rock Recaps, which is essentially like... Uh, uh, it's kind of like a variety show again, where we we take different stories pertaining to the world of music and just kind of give us our take on it and whatnot. So, um, yeah, that that's mainly uh, on the rocks, that's your deal? and that's my deal. Yeah, 
and I, I run that show with uh, with uh, my friend Nate Callens as well. So, oh, that was my next question. Yeah. <laughs> if there if, if there was someone else involved in that, yeah, we've um, we've I, I started the show, but Nate came on around probably episode fifteen or twenty, and uh, it's kind of a fun little dynamic because I'm a millennial and he's a Gen Xer. So oh. like he actually lived through the Pearl Jam Nirvana days and I was just like one years old when 10 came out. So <laughs> I did not, I mean, I technically lived through it, but um, uh, yeah. yeah, it's just kind of a fun dynamic. We call him uh, grandpa Nate. So he, uh, he tells me what the good old days were like in the eighties and nineties. And I uh, try to tell him about the, uh, the, the newer age stuff. That's really awesome. That's yeah. kind of that kind of reminds me of like when I guest host with SPT and I talk to Brad, like because I'm yeah. I'm a millennial also, and he's more of a Gen Xer. So it's like you know, for example, a couple of weeks ago we talked about Dawson's Creek for half an hour, and he watched that show while it was live on the on the air, <laughs> and I was too young to watch it. I think it came out in like '98, so six year old me would not have been entertained by yeah. a show like that at the time. So it was fun to like get his perspective from as someone who watched it while it happened and then someone like me who watched it 20 years after the fact um you know it's and like as someone who wished they could have lived through it because (laughs) you know simpler times but i digress yeah Um, so yeah that's pretty cool i listened to that episode and i was gonna tell you like i was kind of nervous i'm like god do i have to like binge watch dawson's creek before i come (laughs) on here you know is this like a (laughs) a mandatory uh segment in the show or (laughs) i wish i I just got to say, I was shocked yeah. to find out that the uh, I Don't Wanna Wait song isn't in the theme song on Netflix. Didn't you no, say that? No, it's not. Isn't that, that, that like blew my mind. I can't get over that. Yeah, it, it kind of like blew my mind. Because as someone who like truly, I don't know how I managed so long, um, but I truly did not know anything about Dawson's Creek like at all. So I didn't even know that that was the theme song for it, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I feel kind of stupid now that I've learned so much about the show. Um, and how iconic that song was at the time before that reason. But yeah, I, I just, I went, I watched all six seasons without listening to that as the theme song. Uh, and amazing. then I heard that it was, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. It's so strange. <laughs> it's such an iconic theme song too. It's, it's I know, uh, I know. But yeah, no, weird. you did not need to binge watch Dawson's Creek. I oh, mean, good. I encourage it. If you want to come on, you know, in a couple months, we could talk, we could do a t- special Dawson's Creek episode. I'll be happy to oblige. Yeah. I'm listen, I will. I'm like a garbage disposal when it comes to TV. I I will watch anything and enjoy it, especially like those those like teen dramas. I mean, like like oh, uh, it's so good. Oh yeah, like like Outer Banks. I watched that show and like uh, how three was days. that? It, it's it's uh, it's terrible, but also kind of exciting. It's it's like yeah. uh, the OC and National Treasure kind of. Oh, the, well, <laughs> it's, it's, the, OC, the OC was like my favorite show oh, for it's great, years. It's a great show too. I love the OC. I'm not going to go on a tangent about the OC because we've already uh, we've already made we've our already, listeners ears yeah, bleed with already, the Dawson's Creek talk. We've already derailed the uh, the episode. Yeah, love it. Yeah. So, all right. So, moving on from our '90s teen dramas, we'll save that for a, a yeah. special edition of the Porch Podcast. Um, so, what I want to do with Mark today is, since he's like I said, he's new um, as a guest, and I kind of want to give our audience like an idea of quote unquote, what kind of Pearl Jam fan are you? So I've come up with three icebreaker questions that I'm going to okay. try to ask to all of all of my guest hosts that I have on in the next couple of weeks. Um, so my first question is, what is your first memory of Pearl Jam? Not specifically, what is the memory that got you hooked? 
Just what's your first memory of the band? <sighs> that is a great question. Um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> my, you know, my first memory of Pearl Jam was probably the Do the Evolution music video. Um, you know, I would have been, that was Yield, right? So that would have been like 98. I was eight years old and I was really into music videos back then because they were so popular because that's back when MTV and VH1 actually played music. So uh, yes. I would, I would watch, you know, various shows all the time when I was a kid and that music video, I, I seem to remember that being the first time I'd ever heard of Pearl Jam. And then I would say after that, Kate, we we played um, we played the song "Last Kiss" in a junior high band, which I always thought was really, really yeah because we had an awesome band teacher that he would he <sighs> would he would have us play like "Enter Sandman," "Smoke in the Water," just a lot of you know a lot of like uh, classic rock hits, and um, "Last Kiss" was was one of them for whatever reason. So that was probably. I would say those two memories would be my first actual memories of Pearl Jam. That's not when I got into the band per se, but that's really what I think about. That's so interesting. So, so, so um, tell everyone, you know, kind of going off that a little bit. So what is it that got you so into Pearl Jam if, if it wasn't one of those two things? Yeah, I was, you know, I was actually trying to think of this earlier and it was, you know, I'm, I'm really a relatively new Pearl Jam fan. I, I right. think about 10 years ago is when I really got into the band. And I think it's because of a couple of different reasons all molded together. But um, one reason would be, I think a lot of the people I was reading and listening to at the time were Pearl Jam fans and they would name drop them a lot. And I think just, I got curious and wanted to check them out. Um, Bill Simmons being the main one I've been reading him and uh, listening to his podcast for years and years and years. I mean, he's, he had a, he, he had one of the first podcasts to, uh, to be honest, like back in 07. So yeah. um, anyway, I would, I would kind of like listen to his show a lot and guess he'd have on occasionally they would name drop Pearl Jam. So I think from there, I probably, you know, first listened to them and then actually kind of relating to the, the song we're going to do later today too. Um, I lost my my grandpa, who was a really big uh, influence on my life around this the same time frame, and that's kind of right when I started listening to Pearl Jam. And then I think it was just this wave of their music, like really um, helped me cope a little bit through that time. And I, I think it, you know maybe everyone's different with how they get into the band, but I do think Pearl Jam is a band where their lyrics do really. Uh, you know, they really do hit home for a lot of people for whatever situation. But that's that's kind of how I got into them, I think, to be honest. Wow. I, I think it's kind of a long answer to your question. But I I, no. I do think that was the, the the moment when I was like, I love these guys. If if it were a short answer, I think you'd be a pony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's not it's not as simple as like, oh, I, you know, I, I heard you know, bl like black. And I was like, yeah, this is, this I mean, usually that's what has led up, like something mm -hmm. led up to that moment that brought somebody there, especially, you know, me and Jesse talk all the time too, how we're newer fans also, which I think is so cool that, you know, we have you on here too. Cause you know, a lot of Pearl Jam fans aren't newer. They're, they've been around for the long haul. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
just to hear that that there's like there's always a culmination of things that bring you there like similar to me like I had I had always known of Pearl Jam I'd always liked 90s music but I'd never like obsessed into Pearl Jam Mm -hmm. until 2015 and there were a few like life things life events that led me there um which is it seems so crazy it's usually like you said it's usually some sort of momentous life event that kind of brings us all here and I think it's those events that make them feel so special um, that really makes us want to stick around because like you said, it, it helps you cope. And it's kind of like that hug during this dark time or whatever mm-hmm. time you're going through. Um, and that's why it's so hard to like let go of them as yeah. your your favorite band, you know? Yeah. And it, you know, something, something else too, I was trying to think of was, you know, I had mentioned how do the evolution was probably my first ever, you know, introduction to Pearl Jam. And I was trying to think like, you know, if I would have been, let's say, nine years old in 1991, would I have, you know, immediately got on to Pearl Jam, Nirvana, all those bands? And I, I think yeah. the answer would be yes. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is like, I've probably liked the Foo Fighters and Green Day, two bands I've I've really loved for almost my entire life because they were releasing music also in 1998. But for, you know, like Yield isn't on eight-year-old Mark's radar, but like learn yeah. to fly is more of a kid-friendly song, you know? And uh mm-hmm. some of the stuff Green Day was putting out, like Good Riddance, and you know, those those songs are more commercial and um Yeah. You know, they kind of like hit me as an eight-year-old more. So I it, it, it is funny to, to look back how, you know, those bands have been and I still love those bands. I mean, my you know, uh listeners can't see this, but my Zoom profile picture is Dave Grohl in the Learn to Fly video. Um, but uh, it's it's funny looking back how like, I really didn't get into Pearl Jam until they were 20 years old, you know, as a yeah. band. So Yeah, no, I definitely, I agree that, um, and, and I feel like I know what you mean because I'm, I'm similar in age to you. I feel like the bands like Foo Fighters and Green Day were definitely more on like the pop culture radar mm-hmm. than Pearl Jam would have been in 98, 99, 2000. I mean, obviously Pearl Jam was still huge, but they had quote unquote, and I, u- I use these quotes very heavily, like peaked in the early 90s when mm-hmm. we were too young to comprehend anything like that. Um, so by the time we were like, you know, close, like between eight and 10 years old, it was more bands like Foo Fighters and you know, those yeah. bands that you mentioned that were in the mainstream that were more available to kids our age. Right. And you look at if you look at Pearl Jam's career after Yield, they did Binaural and Riot Act right in the early 2000s. And those albums, they're they're good albums. I mean, listening to them now. But like, again, you know, when I'm in middle school, I'm listening to Sum 41 and like stuff yeah. on the Tony Hawk, you know, skater yes. soundtracks <laughs> like that's, you know, and then then high school comes and it's like all my chemical romance and stuff oh so, yeah dark yeah, times yeah. <laughs> just just so much teenage angst um yeah. and uh <laughs> yeah that, I, you know what i mean though like because that's I, I think had they released verses in 2002 let's say mm-hmm. i would have been you know all uh, over it yeah yeah exactly yeah exactly but, yeah i i totally i totally agree with you oh man it's so interesting to think about that kind of stuff mm-hmm. like you know, where we were when we really started to comprehend what music was and what was available to us. Because, you know, like I said, Pearl Jam has always been part of my life because I have brothers who are older than me and they were like teenagers and in their early 20s and the 90s. So it was always around me. But I don't think I was 
I guess, mature enough to mm-hmm. get into them. Because eventually, like when I was like 12, 13, I, I, I got um, super into the Red Hot Chili Peppers, who were still releasing very um, mainstream music yeah. at when I was that age in like 2005, 2006. So, um, you know, that's I, they were still available uh, in that pop culture sense. And Pearl Jam kind of wasn't really. It was like if you didn't get on the train early, like you might. It's kind of harder to get to get on it. Mm-hmm. So. So, yeah, really interesting stuff. Um, I didn't anticipate that going. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> icebreaker just lasts in 20 minutes. Nothing. Yeah, that, that's, you know, that's what icebreakers are for. You know what? And this if, if you're thinking about subscribing to on the rocks this is what you get you get you get one topic and and nate and i just just ramble for about 45 ramble, minutes ramble. yeah and that's that's it <laughs> sometimes the best stuff comes from a good ramble it does it does i love a good tangent <laughs> yes all right so my next question is and you know this could you could not have an answer to this because i kind of forget when we last talked um but the question is how many shows have you been to Pearl Jam shows and what was the most memorable one and why have you been to a show? I have been to one show. Yes. Okay. One so show. this, th- this is, this is another reason why it bugs me that I didn't get into them earlier. I got into them oh, around God. 2011, yeah. I would say. And then I didn't see a show, my only show until 2014. I saw them in St. Paul. Um, mm. Excellent show. I had, I had kind of like, uh, I was in the lower bowl section of this of this hockey arena and i had like a side stage view so mm. honestly pretty good seats distance wise but it was a different view you know i was basically looking it Which was side it, uh it was mike's side mm. so what if, if you're looking at the stage at the left side mm-hmm. I, th- I think it was that side so i mean it, it was a really good experience it was a great show um i know a lot of fans were kind of uh i don't know some some of the ones that maybe uh some fans were a little upset that St. Paul was sandwiched in between Milwaukee and Moline, Illinois, which is when they did no code front to back. And then they did, I think versus in Milwaukee or was it yield? Yeah. It was one of them. Um, yeah. It was yield in Milwaukee and Mo- and no, no code. code in yeah. So St. Yeah. Paul was the one in the middle and they, they kept it pretty safe. I think that show mm-hmm. they played a, a lot of hits and like a lot of fan favorites, which I was okay with. Cause I'd never seen them before, but, um, yeah, that was uh that was my only show and it 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 just sucks because after that show I got the bug to see them again. And at this oh, yeah. phase in my life, I'm going to a lot of concerts and I'm like I got to see Pearl Jam again and I want to you know, I want to do it right this time. Like I want to be on the floor, you know, after this, I, I you know, I I'm in the 10 club. I want to, you know, get tickets the right way. And then they did tour a few more times, but it was never in my area. Um, I guess for, for listeners out there that aren't from the Dakotas, I'm from like, I, I used to live in, in like the northern part of North Dakota. And if you ever want to see a show, usually you have to go to Minneapolis, which is like a four and a half hour drive one way, Oof. you know, or Winnipeg, which Pearl Jam does play there occasionally too, which is like mm-hmm. probably a three hour drive, but it's like, Bands don't come to North and South Dakota that much. Um, and if they do, it's like every once every 10 years, maybe. So it just sucks because they would always announce shows in Fenway Park and Wrigley Field. And that's a long ass drive or else you got to get a flight. And, you know, keep in mind, too, I'm in college at this point. I have no money. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm I am really looking forward to the day where I can I can see them again. Um, oh, yeah. 
you know, I, I we all are. <laughs> yeah. And I want to give a shout out to all of the commenters in the 10 club form. That uh, was the thread. I think it was called North American tour rumors. I read that thread like every single day for like three <laughs> years. And it was so entertaining because it was always like, it was always just like some, some sources were, were really good sources, but others were like, Hey, my wife works at the MTS center in Winnipeg. And, uh, she says that she knows a guy that books the guests and, and, uh, they, they said a band from the nineties is going to play here on March 17th. And then like that would just take off in the section and everyone oh, would speculate. God, sure. And there was this dude, are you aware of who this Dimmy guy is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dimmy. Yeah. He would comment and he was a good source, but like he had broken English cause he's Greek. So like yep. he would comment something and it was hilarious because like you'd have to decode his message. And you're like, Oh, <laughs> Dimmy says they're, they're playing Australia, which means they're going to yeah. be playing on the West coast in the, you know, like it was, it's just funny. It, it was just so funny, but also why the hell did I check that so often? It, no, it, it gets very intense. And I think it's because everybody you're talking about in the most recent tour that they announced, right? Like pre 2020. Yeah. Or just well, in general. So this, this was like, I was probably reading that form a lot more. So like 2015, 16, 17, oh, back that, then. that phase. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's still going on. <laughs> I it's, gar- because it, it's because it's so exciting. Like the concept mm. of of Pearl Jam possibly playing it or announcing something. It's like, there's nothing like that excitement yeah. when they are possibly announcing a tour. So any information that you can get is like, it's like candy. It's yeah. totally irresistible. Yeah. And, and now I live in Portland, Oregon. Oh, you're set. So, so like I'm you in, set. you know, I'm in a place where there's not only concerts, you know, 10 minutes from me, but you know, Seattle's really, you know, pretty close. It's, it's, it's hard to just uh, explain to people, even if you live in a small town and like, you know, like in the Southeast or something, there's still so many different cities around you where it's not that long of a drive. But like when you're in the middle of nowhere, it's like, okay, I got to drive four and a half hours and, yeah. and like you know it's it's a huge event i guess yeah it's, it's say, not but. just like oh you want and see that's something i feel like and i've said this before i don't know if i've said it on the podcast but i i always felt like i've kind of taken that for granted being from new york like the options are limitless like i could decide mm-hmm. to go to a concert like two hours before it happens and just like hop yeah. on a train to the city or you know take a drive to brooklyn or something like like and even even if it's not in new york like being in the northeast everything is so condensed like mm-hmm. boston's not too far um you know connecticut's right across the the long island sound yeah. and it's just everything is so, like i feel like i just have like limitless options and i've never considered the alternate where it might be like in an instance like you growing up mm-hmm. kind of in the middle of nowhere not having access to or at least as it's not as easily accessible for you to, to get to a show and uh you know, I'll, I'll never take that for granted after yeah. having talked to people like you and others, you know, who have struggled over the years to get mm-hmm. to see the bands that they want to see. Yeah. And it's, it, that, that is really interesting, too, because I do feel like someone from the East Coast, if you're like, oh, God, I got to drive five hours. But for someone from the Midwest, it's like, oh, five hours, like that's nothing. You know, it, it, <laughs> yeah, it's really weird true. how that works, because because I, I do think it's because <laughs> there there's no traffic at all. So if it's like I got to drive seven hours from 
Fargo to Omaha, I'm going to do it in seven hours, probably less, because I can just haul ass down. Yeah, that doesn't in, you happen know, here. Yeah, it's just a lot of stopping <laughs> and whatnot. Yeah. And also, if you're, if, yeah, if you're driving five hours anywhere in the, the Northeast, it's like you're crossing like three state lines. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not, it's like you, your destinations are all close enough that you're usually not driving that far, which is, you know, why a trek like that. Uh, does tend to it's like oh five mm-hmm. hours like what Ew. yeah plus there's there's the traffic getting out of new york which is literally the most hellish nightmare that exists on this planet <laughs> yes. but yeah oh god anyway whatever yeah uh, and, and i i do want to mention one more quick thing about yeah, sure, that show uh my biggest memory from that show uh other than the fact that they played for like three and a half hours which was just awesome was Splendid. that was the the first exposure I had in the merch line, which blew my mind of how long that thing was, like I, I could could not like I couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh my god, that's like it's like a mile long. Uh, that that blew my mind, and um, th- at at that show, uh, you know how Eddie Vedder is is and, and his wife Jill are really into um, that EB research. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, the top like research scientists is at the university of Minnesota. So, uh, during that show, he, he like got invited on stage and like Eddie gave him like a quote unquote tour of his work office because the scientists <laughs> gave the band a tour of his work office. So, uh, that, that was just kind of a cool moment how he got, uh, you know, walk around the stage and Eddie was kind of being, being goofy and whatnot. So that was, that was a good moment. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that that whole EB research project. Um, actually, Brad Blazik and I talked about it um, quite a bit on an episode that was released, I think, last week on Single Podcast Theory because we uh, we discussed what you call it Ed's EP that he just mm-hmm. released, um, which all the the proceeds from that are going towards that research project. So, if oh, anybody cool. out there doesn't isn't really familiar with the EB research project, um, you can head over to Single Podcast Theory. I'm going to refer you to another podcast. I mean, listen to this first and then go. Yeah. Um, and go listen to that episode because we do talk about um, what EB is, what the research project is, and you know what Ed and Jill mm-hmm. have been doing towards that. So yeah, it's it's know, pretty it's pretty amazing stuff. And you know th- this is actually another reason that I really got into the band was just their their humanitarian work, you, yeah. you know, and just kind of what they stand for. And uh, I, I think they're just they're they're a very likable band in that sense. And and plus any band that sues Ticketmaster is like. <laughs> totally gold yeah golden (laughs) in my world you know that that's actually not to get off on a tangent here but it's actually why i love garth brooks like i can't name more than three songs from the guy but he he does this thing whenever he goes on tour where he'll he'll like let's just let's just use omaha again for an example he'll announce a show in omaha he'll go okay i'm I'm playing friday saturday night in, in omaha and then all the tickets go on sale you know and there's scalpers and bots you know, just kind of like derailing the whole thing. And then once they sell out, he goes, I'm going to play Thursday night too. And then mm. they, they sell out again. And then, he's, and then he goes, you know what? I'm going to play Friday and Saturday again. I'm playing two shows. So then he's playing like six shows in Omaha and he does that to basically screw over all of the scalpers and the bots. And he like, it allows all of his fans to get a chance to see him. So wow, like he, he, yeah, he purposely schedules last second shows in a lot of the cities good for him yeah it's like yeah, i didn't yeah. I, I didn't know that at all and you know i with pearl jam more recently especially with this 2020 tour which has unfortunately been rescheduled mm-hmm. the way that pearl jam managed to like almost completely manipulate the way Ticketmaster works to yeah. get the fans actual tickets 
like instead of it just being like okay Pearl Jam's announcing a tour for June 16th or whatever and you know and then they just release the times and it's totally up for grabs for anyone like there was so so much methodical thinking Mm -hmm. going into the way they were going to release these tickets so they knew that fan club members got them they knew that you know like everybody who deserved the first priority was getting the first priority and it was not opened up to the public and most people who wanted tickets were able to get them yeah that which it's just so cool it's amazing yeah they and again that's another reason why i think a lot of fans love this band is because they care about their fans and like you could say well they they're going through Ticketmaster. well it's like then I mean, they're not going to play at a, a street dance, you know, yeah, they're, I know. they're not playing it doesn't a, work. Yeah, like Pearl Jam at the county fair. That's that's not happening. Like if, if you want to be a working band, like you have to go through Ticketmaster. It's just the way it is. But I do like how they, you know, in one way conceded defeat to Ticketmaster, but in another way, they're like they're they're trying to find loopholes to. They, to they did. Out. And yeah. it, they like completely took the reins. Like, OK, if, if we have to sell our tickets through you, we're, you're going to do it the way that we want it to be done mm. so so our fan fans don't get screwed over yeah. and um you know they're the only band that i'm a fan of that's ever done anything like that because otherwise i'm every time i've tried to get tickets for anything i'm screwed over immediately and yeah. it's like the most frustrating thing oh it, it's it, it, it yeah it's honestly something that makes my blood boil like oh it, me too it, it, and it's it, it there's nothing worse than you're you're sitting on your computer for 15 minutes before the tickets open and then there's already like just just a, a, a ton of tickets already on sale and they haven't even gone on sale yet I'm like what is this like what yeah, are we doing it, here? I'm like, it's uh frustrating it's infuriating yes, yes. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> i've been an- through it many times yeah. refresh 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 and it's like okay it's available you go to buy and they're gone I'm yep. like how is that yeah. freaking possible <laughs> makes yeah. me so mad yeah, yeah. it's uh I-, I could i could do like four hours on uh on, on Ticketmaster in my my battles with them over uh-huh. the years <laughs> okay, well, we'll put yeah. that aside as another yeah, another side, episode. I would, love, episode. I would love to come on. Side project. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to ask you your third uh, Pearl okay. Jam icebreaker. Um, I think this should be a quick one, but it's a hard one. Okay. Um, what Pearl Jam album do you bring with you to a deserted island? Ooh. God. This uh, one always strips people up. <laughs> Versus. Versus is my favorite Pearl Jam album, so I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with that one. It's it's tough though because every album has several songs that I want on my deserted island. You know, um, I, I've always I've always loved Versus just because it's it's uh, I don't know it's kind of like a nice blend to all of their albums kind of like the like Gigaton was this year to me. I felt like they just kind of took different elements from past albums and put them into uh, yeah, put them into that one but sure it, it's that's a really tough question like i know my, well, i didn't say it was I, fair no it, it, and it's <laughs> it's you know what's funny too is um if i did like a top 10 favorite pearl jam songs i don't even know how many would be on verses which is weird like my top five probably like one of them probably isn't even on verses but as an album as a whole i, I like it the most i think can i pick a bootleg yeah uh no Dang it. okay <laughs> <laughs> i want to change my answer i want to just <laughs> that is that is a good loophole but no that's yeah, not the question i want to pick a 45 song bootleg <laughs> that's six discs and uh and roll with that no i think i think i'd yeah. go with verses what would you, what would uh yours be 
Uh, see, I asked this question without the intention of me having to answer it also, <laughs> but I'll try. Um, you know, it's probably somewhere between 10 or verses. Like, like with I agree with you in the set. Something about verses to me is like the perfect Pearl Jam album. Um, I just think it's not technically my favorite Pearl Jam album, but I do think that it's the best one. Mm-hmm. Um, but 10 is very nostalgic for me. It's, it's the one album, it's the album that means the most to me on a personal level. So it's like, what do I want to bring with me? Do I want to bring like the most quality album or do I want to bring the album that makes me feel something? So yeah. in in that sense, then I think I'm, I might want to bring 10 with me because it, in terms of it, of this band shaping me as a person, like 10 is what started it. So it, you know, in that might help me emotionally through, mm-hmm. <laughs> through the through fact you, that I'm yeah, alone on a deserted, on a deserted island. island. Yeah. With a, with a volleyball. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> well said. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I think that's that. I think that's a question that there's really no yeah, wrong answer, but it's like, no. just, yeah, it's difficult. It's a, it's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, like that album was for, was with me during a time when I did feel very alone. So you know how much more alone could you possibly yeah. be than on a deserted island? So I feel like it's a little bit of a cop out to say ten, but that just that's just what it is to me. So no, it's a great it's a, it's a great choice. We're gonna go with it. Yeah. All right. So those were all of my Pearl Jam icebreakers. We made it through. Right, we did. We have we already have like a full episode. I know. <laughs> Part two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Part two. The song. All right. So um. When I have, uh, so what I'm going to be doing with all of our guests is I, I want to do the honor of letting the guest select the song, and I am also going to allow my guest to intro the song this week. So, Mark, can you tell our listeners what song we are going to be listening to this week? Absolutely. We will be listening to Nothing Man from Vitology. Mark, um, so we are going to get into uh, Pearl Jam's Nothing Man. Um, this song, would you say one of, you know, I think this is a fan favorite, like, at the top level. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I do. And and we were just talking before the show here how we were both kind of shocked that it wasn't a single. Um, yeah. At least to what, what we can find. The only thing I could find regarding that was that it... Uh, kind of cracked me up for some reason it peaked at number 19 on the canadian alternative top 30 yeah. it's like what? that's such a random chart top 30 too um i know so i, yeah, I top guess 30 what is that yeah it was it was big in canada uh yeah. but yeah other other than that no it's uh yeah i definitely think it's a song that has really developed into a fan favorite over the years it was on their greatest hits album um yes but I don't think it was ever released as a single. Uh, no, according to the internet, it was not. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I was kind of surprised in the same way that it's surprising that Black wasn't a single um, mm-hmm. because it just, it might not be a song that like a casual a casual Pearl Jam fan might know, but it is such a popular song amongst the fans that 
and like it has its own Wikipedia page and it, it's not a single, you know mm. what I mean? Like this song has just a lot of popularity behind it, um, you know, but this is also the time when Pearl Jam was just, you know, everything that they released was gold to everybody. So, um, you know, not yeah. surprised that it, it got the notoriety that it did even without it being a single. Yeah, I'm I'm glad uh, that it's kind of blossomed into a more of a fan favorite. It's it is it is funny, though, too, that it's it's not even it's the second most popular song with man in the name in on that album yeah. you know <laughs> it's like better man nothing man leather man too that's a i think that's a trilogy there but yeah. um yeah it's kind of kind of funny thinking about that but you know it's it's not like I, I guess i do get it it is very catchy but it isn't exactly like a like a radio hit like better man better man is like you know that that song plays on mainstream rock radio you know and and the Canadian you know, alternative 30. You, play yeah, it on that too. Um, <laughs> you know, I was thinking today, like, I really do think that this song could have been um, a, a hit if it, if it was a single, it's not as obvious of a pop culture hit that better man is, but I, I really do think that this song is very easily digestible and something that could have ended up, you know, exploding on the radio. I, I don't know if that would like other people would agree with me there, but it is extremely catchy and it's extremely, um, Ed's vocals are very uh, readable. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right word, but you know how Ed yeah. can sound sometimes. This song he sings very clearly, and it it has a lot of momentous, um, grand moments that I really do think that it, it could have been a single and it would have been a successful one. Yeah, you, you know what I think. I think you just convinced me there, and I think more so what I what I was trying to say is may. And again, I'm four years old at the time when this is released, but um, yeah. I'm thinking maybe like the radio is looking more for, for the grunge kind of the, yeah. you know, the, oh, the raw attitude stuff. And this isn't that, you know, no. and maybe they just wanted to use spin the black circle and um, corduroy, you know, um, was not for you That's a single true. too. Um, you know, just more, more aggressive yeah. songs to kind of play to that audience. But um, yeah, I, I think if that song is released, in 2000 i think it's yeah it's definitely charting yeah for sure Not yet. And like i said i really do think it's like it's the black of vitology mm-hmm. yeah it's um, all right so it's so, no go ahead no i was just gonna yeah it's 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 a it's a really we'll get into this in a little bit i'm sure but it's it's a very it's a very beautiful song but it's very sad you know, and, and oh, I yeah. guess it is like black in that sense where it's it's mm-hmm. it's catchy. You can sing along to it, but then you read the lyrics, you're like, oh, ouch. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, Ed Ed has a way of doing that. Yeah. So speaking of the lyrics, why don't you tell us a little bit about who wrote it, um, and you know what album and stuff it was released with, which you mentioned already. But um, if you have the dates down, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Eddie wrote the lyrics, uh, and Jeff wrote the music. Which I think is did, a very did not uh, know that until today. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't either. I thought <laughs> if Eddie. I'm did, being honest. Yeah, I, I kind of guessed Eddie wrote the song, but I did not know Jeff wrote the music, which is which is interesting. I did a did a mm-hmm. good job on that. Um, yeah, it was recorded at Bad Animal Studio in Seattle, and it's the fifth track on Vitology. And uh, as we mentioned, it was on their greatest hits record. But again, it's it's kind of more of a fan staple, especially at concerts too. I know we'll get into that in a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's. Uh, it's a song to me where, and again, you can say this about damn near any band 
playing live, but it is a song I think that translates so well live and Pearl Jam has such a, a special way of making uh, a, a song like Nothing Man that is, that is you know, a relatively simple song. I do feel like it's a song that a lot of beginner guitar players might learn, you know, learning Pearl Jam songs, but they, they just add so much when they're doing it live, you know, and they speed it up just a little bit. They do the same thing with Off He Goes as well, another one of my favorite mm-hmm. Pearl Jam songs where it's it's so so slow and sad on the album but yeah. live it just it brings out a little more energy and i don't know it, like weirdly it kind of gives me hope too it does have like you said it has that way yeah. of like it's a sad song but it does kind of bring i don't know have that hopeful energy at the end of it it does it's you know when he's when he's belting out the lyrics mm-hmm. it it's i think it's meant to be sad or heartbreaking but like you said something about it is inspiring like when he's yelling out that he's like flying into the sun towards yeah. the end it's like <laughs> That's not a good thing, really, in the context of the song. But the way he sings it, it's like it feels like your chest opens up and you're you're just like fully enveloped by this song. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, if I'm being honest with you, I was like singing this song into my mirror, like right before we hopped on to record. Love it. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I was like feeling it. I'm like, how I can't believe I've never like truly felt this song like before. And I just allowed myself to truly feel it. And it felt inspiring. Like you just said, like it, something felt good about it. Like it it did something to me that just, I don't know, it made me feel alive for, for that moment. Like, like more so than I actually am. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's to me, I know you mentioned black a little bit ago to me, it's almost like the release of, uh, um, Vitology as well, just because it's more of a live experience too, I feel like, but in Nothing Man, when Eddie goes, uh, she once believed that mm-hmm. in that second verse and everyone screams it back. It's it's just such a it's such a good moment at the oh, show. Totally and uh, I thankfully got to experience that at my uh, one show that I've been to as well. But yeah, it's it's um it's a song. We should probably mention what the song's about, I guess. The song at its core, uh, you know, this is according to just various half-assed internet research here, but it's basically about a guy that um, he messes up a, a a very strong relationship in his life. You know, he, he's he's lost love. She was, you know, he she was his everything, and basically he let her go, and she's moved on, and he basically feels like nothing. And um, I I think it's probably more so from Eddie's point of view, you know, about a divorce or a breakup in that sense. Um, to me, though, I feel like it's just a song about loss. And I I mm-hmm. went, you know, just going back to how I really got into Pearl Jam, this song specifically really was speaking to me during when my grandpa passed, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's hard to explain. Like, it's just, it just kind of connects with you in that way where, you know, even if it's you're losing a dog or you're losing, you know, whoever it may be, the song, I still feel like you can interpret it in that way. Like that, that line, uh, caught a bolt of lightning, cursed the day he let it go. Like that, that line I love so much. Cause it's like, you know, you, you got something in your life that's so great. And then it's, you know, then it's gone. You're like, Oh yeah. Man. And Ed, me and Jesse talk about this a lot, the way that he can write a song like this and mean one thing. Um, because we actually do, I have a direct quote from Ed when he says, um, he says in an interview that the ideas about if you love someone and they love you, don't fuck up because you're left with mm-hmm. less than nothing. Yep. Um, and then he kind of specifies 
this in context in context oh my god in context <laughs> in context there it is oh <laughs> uh, with his <laughs> there it is with his first wife beth um he commented saying i just know that without her i'd be a kite without a string a nothing man so it's clear that when ed wrote this and i i put i got notes somewhere saying that he actually wrote this song in like an hour um it just wow. came to him um for him this was his way of channeling that feeling of, you know, don't fuck up that one mm-hmm. important person that's in your life. But I agree that this is not all that song is about. Because, and Ed can write in a way that, you know, he's writing this. It's kind of a broken love song or a broken hearted love song about losing someone. Um, but he's not writing something so specific that it's so pigeonholed into mm-hmm. like what type of loss it is. Like, in, obviously, in this sense, it's kind of like a breakup loss or, like, what it would be like to lose that person who, like, at your own, wi- like, at your own will. Like, he's the one who fucked it up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, the lyrics are left open enough and broad enough, in a sense, that, you know, it can relate to someone like you who lost their grandfather. Or, like you said, if someone loses a pet or, you know, if even a lost friendship or something along yeah. those lines. Like, maybe two people drifted apart um the way he writes it can it umbrellas over all of that and that's another reason why so many different types of people from all walks of life can relate to this band in the way that they do um cuz there's there's a voice behind every lyric for everybody um this yeah. and this song being a perfect example of that yeah and i think they have a lot of songs that over time have that effect i mean even uh, alive for example you know alive at this point is like a victory song almost, almost for for people you know and like yeah. that's not the actual you know the lyrical meaning behind that song and same with better man too like better man is is almost like this cheerful song now i feel like yeah. and and the, and the <laughs> way ironically like, yeah and it, it's like it is funny how like a lot of these songs over time just kind of take on this different meaning it's um i i actually think you you almost said it word for word I think I think it's Dave Grohl that actually said that in an interview one time he was saying, you know, like the best part about my job is I can be standing up here on say stage singing a song that means one thing and there's 20,000 people screaming back at me and every single one of them are singing it for a different reason. And I think that really hits home with Nothing Man with the other songs we mentioned as well, um Alive, Better Man, like yeah, when they were written in the early 90s they meant this and still do mean that, but they just, I don't know. It's, it is, it is funny how they, things just take on a life of their own in a way. Yeah, they, they truly do. And this song, you know, you wouldn't possibly think of it uh, as this way upon first listen or even second listen, but it is a little, um, it has a little bit of that anthem feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that it really gets Like you said, it gets everybody in the crowd going. It gets everybody to sing along. The she once believed part, uh, you know, and like that quote you just said that Dave said, it just brought chills to me because it's it's songs like this that make worth make a show going like going to a show so worth it. Like this moment that you can share with the band that's so personal and with everyone in the crowd, and you know everybody is thinking something when they're when they're Mm -hmm. singing along with it. And um. You know, one one more lyric, too, that I think is just a gut punch as well. I think you had uh, posted this earlier, too, Kate, but it's uh, he who forgets will be destined to remember. Um, How do you interpret that lyric? 
I think it's very similar to the phrase, like, you can't run from your problems, kind of, that makes sense. Um, I, I think I, I want to say this is uh paraphrasing Eddie, but I want to say that he said that, um, it's, it's, uh, what am I trying to say here? I'm completely brain farting on what, uh, what, what Eddie said. And this is very poetic. Um, this is just riveting, <laughs> riveting radio here. It's, it's basically like saying how when, when two people separate, they they try to forget the past, but it's inevitably always going to be there. Basically, is what he was saying. Like you you try to move on and forget it, but it's still always part of you. And even though maybe you have moved on, it's still it, there's still something there that you always remember. That was basically yeah, his, I lo- his quote. Yeah, I love that concept of being destined to remember. Like um, this experience, whatever it was, um, it it's not no matter what you do, you it's not. It's not forgettable. It, mm-hmm. it becomes it becomes who you are. You're, it's destined to be part of who you are forever. Um, I, I agree. I think that line is great. I've I've never really when I posted that line today, I was like, I was like, Kate, do you even know what that fucking means? Because not really. And I'm like, I'm like posting it on Instagram, yeah. like. <laughs> so it and sounds like, what, good. What is yeah. he even really saying here? But the way he sings that line is what for me is what's so, <laughs> um, powerful. That when he. You know, everybody knows how he sings that part. It's just yeah, such it's a like the it's such a grand moment. Song, yeah, yeah, pretty much is a grand moment of the song. Um, but you know, I never truly thought about that. But I like the way you interpreted it, being, you know, something a, having a person in your life that's so influential to you. If you lose them, it's not something that that's forgettable. Um, and you know, really any any interaction or relationship you have with anybody, regardless of how big or small, it it, it becomes part of your destiny and something that y- whether you actively remember it along the way or don't, it's, it's part of who you are. Like every, every life experience, every relationship that you've had is part of what makes you, you. Um, and I think that all of that kind of, all those concepts are kind of tied into this lyric specifically. Yeah. And, and, and if we, you know, think this is about Eddie's ex-wife, it's like, well, they were married and that, you know, she will always be a part of him in, in some way, even though he's, you know, even now he's moved on. And he's been married to Jill for I don't know how many years, but quite a long yeah. time now. But like, I'm sure he still has. Was it Beth? Was that her name? Yeah. So like, I'm sure he still at times thinks about yeah. her, you know, I'm I don't know for sure. Oh. I don't know, Ed, uh, yeah. but I, I'd imagine according to this song. Yeah, right. No, and like I said, like even if he doesn't if he's not actively remembering her as a person, like thinking of her in like the physical form or whatever, mm-hmm. um his relationship with her is a part of who he is, whether she's actually physically present or not. Um because his relationship with her made made Ed mm-hmm. Ed. And you know, it, that same concept goes along with you, it goes along with me, it goes along with every person you walk by on the street that the people in their lives is what um, is what makes you who you are, mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to kind of bring this line back to the first line of the song, um, which I think has a similar feel to it. It might not mean exactly the same thing. Um, the opening line of the song is "Once divided, nothing left to subtract." Love Some that. words, when spoken, can't be taken back. Oh my god, me too. Fun fun fact about this quote from the song. So a couple of years ago, I, I used to be a preschool teacher, and um, 
all of our parents would get us, you know, Christmas presents every year as kind of like a thank you for, you know, taking care of their kids or whatever. And um, I opened this present one year and it was, it's like a plaque. It's like a tile with that quote on it. Once divided, nothing left to subtract somewhere. Awesome. And I was like, literally like, I didn't even know she knew this about me like that. I love Pearl Jam. So, because it's not something I like. Mm -hmm broadcast into the world you know i mean obviously i love yeah yeah exactly like how would she even know that and i literally like i almost dropped it on the floor i was like i cannot believe that it was like the most thoughtful gift i still have it i have it hung up in my bathroom um it's just it's such a it was such a sweet gesture so whenever i hear that line i always think of you know that moment it's just that's, like a little personal that, story for me but <laughs> that's that no that's a great gift and and you know you're you're talking yeah. to a teacher right now and right um i i too have received i've received one pearl jam gift in my life and it was uh it was a a coffee mug with eddie's face on it that said um uh, it doesn't get any better than this, that, that quote. Classic. I was like, I love it. Classic. And they, they shoved a flannel inside it too. And I was like, this oh, is that's hilarious. So yeah, I know. Those are, those are like the best <laughs> gifts where they like, they really are. Yeah, go out of your way. I got a Foo Fighters mug one time. That was exciting. Um, those are my only rock theme gifts, I think though, but not complaining. Still. Uh, yeah. No, still I think that might've been my, frequently. yeah, I, that might've been my only Pearl Jam gift, but it it was just so thoughtful um but going back to the actual lyric itself i i always loved it because that special meaning but also you know you kind of look at that first line once divided nothing left to subtract and like you know i've spent at least three years staring at it because it's hung up on my (laughs) wall and i'm like (laughs) once divided nothing left to subtract it's it's such a I don't, I don't know. I, this is just an example of why I love Ed so much, how mm-hmm. he uses his words, I guess, almost even in a punny way. Yeah. The way he says once def- divided, nothing left to subtract, um, because both of those words divided and subtract are obviously math terms, but they're also just very general terms in the English language. It's not necessarily relative to math, but he's he's playing on that. And he loves he loves to play on words in that way, and you think about it. Once divided, nothing left to subtract. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? Um, and I interpret it as, you know, once once this is gone from me, once you know we're physically divided, there's nothing yeah, like yeah. I there's nothing else to lose. Like I've lost absolutely everything. Yeah. Would you Would you agree with I that? Absolutely agree with that. Yeah, and I, I think again, yeah. it's just another keep saying the term gut punch, but that's just yeah, yeah. it's just heartbreaking. <laughs> and you know that that's how you know someone is such a good lyricist too, is like you can and I do this with Eddie's songs all the time where I'll just read their lyrics and like, you know, I maybe don't even connect with that lyric, but I'm like, oh, I like that a lot. Yeah, I really, exactly. I really like that like, line. You know, I, it's I don't, so cre it's so creative. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he's so good too, like you said, with the little, little puns that he does as well. And even like mm-hmm. he does these really little subtle references to like the end of the sun. Um, that's mm-hmm. like the flight of Icarus, the Greek myth that the guy that flew too close to the sun. So like, it's kind of, um, I don't know, it, it's, it's, I believe it's kind of not poking fun at it, but it's kind of alluding to icarus who kind of just got in in the i don't want to bore everyone with the myth the myth is no, that please do please the, do the myth is that icarus uh basically got too greedy and he flew too close to the sun and then the sun melted uh like a, 
a Pegasus or some shit. I don't know. This is this is this is not hardcore history with uh, Dan Carlin right now. <laughs> Nailing it. Yeah. Uh, it basically flew too close to the sun because he got too greedy and he he got too full of himself and then he died. Uh, so that, that's kind of referencing that. I think that Eddie, you know, maybe just took everything for granted and you know he is where he is in the situation in the sun. I wish our listeners could see my face right now because that is blowing my mind. I did not know that was a connection or, you know, it might not have been intentional, but it's obviously could be interpreted that way. And I love that so much because that is Mm -hmm. completely what the message of this song is, is, you know, not getting in your own way. Like you said, not being too greedy. And, you know, and we don't think of that in that way because that's, you know, as fans, we feel like we know him and we know that he's, he wasn't the rock star. That, you know, took advantage of his lifestyle. But at the same time, no matter how hard you try to not be that way, it is still your life. Yeah. Um, And I think this song, he's kind of singing about that fear of losing her because his life is now too much or or he's been given too much or he's he's always wanting more Um, because, you know, he may not have been greedy in the stereotypical sense with like drugs and, you know, sex and all that kind of stuff. But he was definitely an artist who wanted to keep pursuing his art and you know sometimes that requires sacrifices and was would it really be worth it if he ended up being a quote-unquote nothing man (sighs) damn i'm I'm just like i'm just so i'm so i'm so happy to be here but i'm so bummed out at the same time like god i know (laughs) it's it's so heartbreaking you know you look at a guy like ed and you know like i know him but you, you you kind of feel like you do and it's he's so special he's like he's like the special one and or at least to me he is because mm-hmm. he never wanted this life to get in the way of him as a person and i think he really made it he and the band made such an effort to do that and then to hear him sing this song which is so clearly like one of the reasons why he wouldn't want something like that to get in the way. Mm-hmm. It, it's heartbreaking. Like you said, it's the song is a real bummer because he's realizing that he could, he could lose that, um, that he could completely get hit in his own way being who he is. And you know, he, what, what, it, what is it all for? If, if at the end of the day, you don't have someone to come home to, or, you know, like if he didn't have the life he had now, I, I would feel so awful. I don't know. I'm kind of just like rambling thinking about no, Ed's uh, life. Uh, and- <laughs> yeah, just thinking about what his life was like. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I honestly, and, and this is one of the reasons too why I'm so fascinated with, with bands is because, I mean, these guys see each other more than their families and right. their spouses. And it's amazing to me when not only someone sticks with their spouse through them blowing up, you know, yeah. that, that's one thing, but even just the way bands can stay together, like some of like, like you two, they've never had a different lineup. Metallica, with the exception of Cliff Burton, who who passed away, um, they've, they've really had the same lineup for a long time. Pearl Jamming, with the exception of the 9,000 drummers they've had, like they've had pretty much, you know, the same lineup. Green Day is another one we referenced earlier. Four. It's like yeah. it, it, it blows my mind that all of those bands constantly being with each other are able to stick around and even with their their families too it's like it's amazing i know like the foo fighters they would they always take their fam i'm sure tons of bands do this but they always take their families on like vacation when they tour europe you know to like kind of have that camaraderie and kind of 
keep somewhat of a sense of normalcy. Like it's, it's like, mm-hmm. I, you know, even though Eddie wasn't into like the, you know, the quote unquote, like sex, drugs, rock and roll lifestyle mm-hmm. back when they were blowing up, it's still like he, you know, those, those bands were all playing in like small clubs and within months they were just all gone, you know, and they were playing arenas. It's just, it's, it's really fascinating to me, that whole era and just how all of them were, yeah. um, not all of them, I should say, but like a lot of them were just able to, you know, Pearl Jam, especially they were able to survive that. Yeah. And it's, I think, you know, the fact that Ed could write a song like this on their third album um, it it just speaks volumes about who he is as a man and who he is as a person, a human being, and the way he respects and treats others. He's even though he's been a famous rock star for four years of his life, he still can see the value in what losing a person who's that important to you is, um, especially at your own fault. Um, how har- like horrifically hurtful that could that could have the potential to be. Like he was still seeing life in the same way that, you know, just regular folk were. Um, and mm-hmm. he was speaking for himself, but he was also speaking for everyone else who's, you know, everybody has relationship struggles through their lives. And, um, you know, and he's speaking to that. But the fact that he's sing- speaking to that from a personal perspective, like I said, it just goes to show the type of human being that he is. Like he, he never mm-hmm. lost that compassion. He never lost that side of himself that truly saw the value in, in human relationships. Um you know, and that's, again, what makes him so special to me and I think to a lot of people who listen to what he has to say. That was well said. I have. Thank you. Yeah, no, nothing to <laughs> add on to that. That was that was perfect. Thanks, <laughs> um, I appreciate yeah. that. No, like the, the only, <laughs> this is so stupid. I'll, I can lighten the mood here. The, the only other thing I Go really had about lyrics is uh, if you want the song ruined for you, say Muffin Man instead of oh, Nothing no. Man. And now it's, it's kind of funny, so. <laughs> Didn't need to know yeah, that. Yeah, so sorry, uh, everyone, if you've never uh, yeah. substituted Muffin Man in there. It's like, I mean, it's it's the band that I feel like created misheard lyrics. Like Yellow Leadbetter is like the ultimate. Oh, it's it's the just, best, yeah. Just just jargon of just just garbled. Like, I don't even know what Le- Yellow Leadbetter the lyrics are. I love there the song. Any. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you ever there seen, are no lyrics to Have you song. ever seen the, there, there's this, I mean, there's tons of them, but there's a YouTube video of, Yellow oh, yeah. lead better, but it's it's all like the misheard lyrics, and yeah, it's like po- I, potato I, wave. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to leave Bennigan's. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, that great video. Yeah, Muffin Man. All right, good to know. Well, yeah. uh, I'm so glad we put that into yeah. the minds of our listeners. Yes, I'm sure you. they're going to be really thankful. Yes. Yeah. Um, speaking of lyrics, <laughs> um, there is there is also a demo version of this song where the lyrics are just slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, the most Two notable ones are instead of walks on his own with thoughts he can't help thinking, he says, walks on his own, talks, but no one's listening. Okay. Which I think is incredible also. Yes. Um, then there is the next line, which is futures above, futures above, but in the past he's slow and sinking. And in the alternate version, he says, like the past, he's slow and sinking. So that kind of shifts the perspective of that line as well. Um just for people out there, there is a demo version out there. It's basically identical to the song, yeah. but um, it's it's really good though. I mean, I mean, it's it is it's, really uh, good. It doesn't sound like a demo. Yeah, really. it's like a, it's, it's like just kind not of, produced. Yeah, it's like a, a stripped down, mm-hmm. like version of Nothing Man. I guess that's what a demo would be. But it's it's yeah. it's uh, highly encourage you listen to it if you never have before. Yes. Um. Some other facts I got about the song. Um. It was. 
actually featured in an episode of Californication. Yep. An episode called In Utero in, in the year 2008. I've never watched that show, but um, I know it was really big for a while. Yeah. I, I, I've never seen it either. Um, I know David Duchovny's in it. I know he's a writer yes. in the show. Um, I did watch the clip. It's it's and, and again, it's like how moving the song is. I've never seen the show, but that clip is like really powerful. It's it's oh, really? it, it, yeah. It, I mean, it kind of from what I've gathered. Again, I don't know what's going on in the episode, but they he goes on uh, like a date with this this girl named Karen, and he's it's like basically a montage of them going to. Um, well, in the episode, they say they're going to go to this Kurt Cobain vigil. And that's why it's called in utero, I think, because they go to this Cobain visual. And then basically once he asks her out to that, it's just a montage of them like, you know, their relationship falling in love. And he's like, he's uh, he's it's a voiceover of him, you know, writing this letter, dear Karen, and basically how in love with him he is. And then basically they um, I think in the clip they just lose touch for some reason, whatever that may be. But, yeah, it's 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 kind of it's the perfect song for that. Um, another, this is a really sad episode. Um, another one I just watched the other day was someone dubbed nothing man over like the first four minutes of up, you know, in the old, Stop the, it. the old man. Yeah. You know, you know that scene, right? The, yeah, um, of course I do. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm just sitting there on my chair watching this and like getting choked up. I'm like, God damn it. Like what? Like what if I need to like go, go for a run or something? This is breaking me down. My system. Yeah. It's like the saddest scene in cinematic history. And then it's like, Hey, let's make it even worse. And let's play this really sad song over it. Oh, people just love to make other people cry. Isn't it fascinating? (laughs) Like, yeah. Oh God. Uh, it's also featured in an episode of the show Cold Case called Into the Blue from 2009. Mm. I just I find it interesting when I find facts about Pearl Jam songs being in television shows because of how actively they put an effort into being non-commercialized back in the early yeah. 90s. Um, but, you know, you have like the episode of Friends that has Yellow Ledbetter in it. And then like you have some examples here. I just think it's always worth noting because you don't see it too often. Um, yeah. Like, it's when- clear that in, in later years that, that they're more giving yeah their, uh, like music. the one the one that just came to mind too speaking of yellow Ledbetter, was um have you ever seen the movie 50 50 with uh seth Rogen i have and... i have but it's been such a long time since i saw that. really really great yeah. movie really another really you know tearjerker one but that that song plays at the end too it's a really great moment mm. in, a, in that movie as well yeah yellow lead better um yeah that's that's true that you you see it a lot more in the past 10 years yeah because they, they kind of, they haven't like, quote unquote, sold out or anything, but they are more commercialized. Like, uh, The Fixer was in a Target commercial. Oh you, my God, yeah. You know, like, they've... That is my memory of that song, because, yeah. you know, I didn't really start getting obsessed with Pearl Jam until 2015, but my one of my first, like, Pearl Jam memories, I guess you could say, going back to our icebreaker, is that commercial playing in... I'm um, sorry, that song playing in that commercial, because mm-hmm. that's how they were promoting their album. So when I hear that song, I think of Target. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is so weird because yeah, that's, that's yeah, yeah. it's so anti Pearl Jam to think of something commercial. And like, that's one of my first like true memories of yeah, Pearl Jam. It's just, I think, it just makes no sense at all. Yeah, I think a lot of fans hated that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but it is yeah. what it is. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm a little more forgiving with bands. I'm like, you know what? They want to sell out when they're older. Like, I don't care. Just <laughs> you, you do you. Just. 
Yeah, and I, don't, I don't even think it was necessarily that they were selling out. I think they were just advertising the fact that their album was being like exclusively sold mm-hmm. through Target, which again was like a little weird. But I, I do think that Target does do that with music. They have a lot of like, um, you know, nowadays you can buy limited edition vinyls that only Target sells. Again, it's yeah, like, do true. I really want to be supporting like this ginormous conglomerate of, you know, this corporation mm-hmm. by buying vinyl when I should probably buy one from like the local guy down the store? But at the same time, you're getting a really cool colored vinyl. Like, I don't know. It's- yeah, yeah, and I, <laughs> I do America. think that they, they're such a... I love this band too because they are someone that, yeah, they're going to do the corporate gigs, you know, like, like yeah. the Target ad, but, you know, they, they also... Speaking of local record stores, they are so tight with the Easy Street Records right, guys in Seattle, exactly. like their local record store, and they've done shows on their rooftop, you know, mm-hmm. so they they don't forget their roots, but, you know, they can still no. dabble into the more, you know, commercial, commercialized things, so. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the last thing I want to touch on, I realized we completely forgot about, is the live performances. Oh, um, yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on that really <laughs> that, quick. That thing. So. Yeah, that's that important uh, bit of information. So we have totaling at 136 times played live, which is not as many as I thought. Um, yeah, I, I think it's something where I, I I think that they play it pretty frequently now. I think if you, you looked back at maybe the last 10 years, I'm sure it's played at a lot of shows. But yeah, it must be something where they started playing it a lot more, yeah, more often. Recently, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, sometime after the song. I don't know. All right. So then we have the first time it was ever played live was March 20th, 1994 at the Chrysler Arena. Chrysler. Ann Arbor. Chrysler? Yeah, I think. Okay. I'm guessing. Well, it's it's not spelled like Chrysler the car. It's spelled C-R-I-S-L-E-R. Oh. I don't know. Who knows? Who cares? Yeah. Um, (laughs) The Chrysler (laughs) Arena in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And the last time it was played live was uh, on September 4th, 2018 at Fenway Park in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, We have it being played at 18.7% of the shows since its debut. So it's kind of a a small number. Like it's no Mm -hmm. alive. It's no even flow. It's not... um, it's not played super often, but I think it's played enough that if you have seen Pearl Jam a few times, you've probably, especially like you said more recently, you've probably seen it. Um, some notable performances you can find on YouTube are, oh my god, this version is so good. The one from Touring Band 2000, yep, they play I, at the Key Arena in Seattle. Ugh, I yeah. don't know if you know this about me, but 2000 Eddie is like, oh my I, god, I just, I love his he is like peak Eddie. In yes, 2000. I, I was just gonna say that his voice sounds <laughs> the best. I feel like in that year, oh, my that that, it really that era. Does. Yeah, that touring band DVD is probably my favorite um, Pearl Jam DVD that they ever released. Something, something about Ed, his charisma. He is just like peak on every level in mm-hmm. the year 2000. Ladies, you know. Um, and then also <laughs> <laughs> the Bridge School benefit performance from '96. You can yeah. find on YouTube. I don't. Speaking of Ed's appearance, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if you watch this, but oh, what yeah. is going on with his hair in that video? Why does it look soaking wet? Like, why does he look like yeah, a homeless I, person? I was wondering the same thing. Like, was it raining? It wasn't raining, was it? Like, yeah, he, yeah, very sweaty, sweaty, is sweaty. That sweat though, because that's gross. I don't know, sweaty Eddie. I, I don't know. That's, uh, yeah. I, I've I've also watched that numerous times. That song's on Spotify too. If anyone uh, wants to just have it in their their library, but yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's so funny. Like I've, that's something I've noticed 
but I've never yeah. like processed like, oh yeah, his hair is. It looks really like he lit. just got out of the shower. Yeah, I don't. I'm not. I'm so confused as to what's going on. I mean, he still looks great, obviously, but mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not sure. I, if anyone out there yeah. knows, like, and please. The, the quality enlighten. of that video is the exact opposite too of the touring band. Yeah, as well. It's just it, it, it's like I know it's a four year difference, but it looks like it was shot in Ugh. like like a like a giant ass seventies. Yeah, know, like camcorder. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But the the, the song itself is it's a great performance of the song. Yeah. So yes, um, yes and that's available on YouTube. And I guess you said it's on Spotify also. Yep. That version. Oh, that's pretty cool. Good to know. I don't use Spotify. I'm like totally oh. out of the loop. I, oh, it's great. I know. I, it's bad. I I you know I have Apple Music. And I've been yeah, paying for that's... it, and I'm I'm so afraid of going to a different streaming service because I'm afraid I'm gonna like lose everything, and I don't want to pay for more than one. So yeah, I just that's... Have to stick with it. No, I'm that's stuck with Apple Music. I think that's totally fair. Like, I mean, they're they are very similar. I I made the switch probably like five years ago, and and I think it's honestly it's probably the app I use the most out of any app on my phone is Spotify. Um, but I never paid for apple music in the sense of how it is now i i used to like buy songs on itunes you know like right. individually that's what i used to do and then i made the switch to just paying for spotify premium haven't looked back but um I, that's how apple music is now though as well from what i gather so it's yeah I, and i will say like i've always i always kind of wished i was i hopped on the spotify train back in the day but i hopped on the apple music train instead mm-hmm. for whatever reason um and Apple Music is definitely better now than what it was, especially like in their most more recent updates and stuff. Um, Because Apple Music kind of sucked. Like Spotify was always great with playlists and just like things being available and like this is for you. Apple Music like just was like not up. I don't know what they were doing, but they Mm -hmm. were not keeping up with the times in in terms of music streaming services. But now it is it's like way better. There's a lot of stuff that they like curate for you and all that type of thing. So. I don't know how we got on this topic. Yeah, it's, it happens. Another tangent. <laughs> it does. Nothing it does. To- <laughs> it's really hard to yeah. avoid. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. And, and like, like I said, too, I mean, this is, uh, I mean, I'm so prone to getting off topic and it's like, I need to not do that so much. Um, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. I, I will. Sorry if you have these on there. Two, I had two other kind of notable performances I wrote down as go, well. Go for it. I only, um, I only wrote those two. So another good one is 2010 Madison Square Garden. Um, I, I mean, it's it's not it's not uh, like the touring band one to that level, but it, it's more of a more it's a more modern one, I guess. And there's a, there's a funny moment in there where uh, at the end when when he goes into the sun into the sun, he kind of puts his hand up in a way. And at the end of the song, he's like, I, uh, I probably shouldn't do that motion. And it's it basically, it's like the Nazi, uh, oh. <laughs> motion. He's like, I really probably shouldn't do that. Sorry guys. <laughs> it's, it's, it's didn't sound that funny when I said it, but it was funny, funny moment in the show. Um, and, uh, the only other one I wrote down too was, uh, uh, kind of a, kind of an oddball one, but in 2018, they did that global citizens fest in, yep. I think it was in central park. Or it was uh, somewhere in did, New York, uh, I think. In 2015, they did one. 15? Is that what you said? This one was it said from 2018 on the YouTube video, so I'm not sure. Maybe oh, it was I 2015. I think I saw that. I think, I think that, well, they did the one in New York in 2015, I remember, because that was like when okay. I first got into Pearl Jam. But I think they might have done one in 2018, but not in New York. 
Okay. So it when was a different one. Whenever it was, it was a Global Citizens Fest, and it was with just Eddie and Chris Martin from Coldplay, which I thought oh, was kind that of... Oh, that is from the New York one. I think that is yeah. 15. Yeah, that, yeah. That, one's, that one's a cool listen, too, because uh, Chris is on piano, and it's just Eddie singing. It's just a very stripped down version of Nothing Man. It, it's real. It is really good too. Really good. Uh, I, I should check that out again because I, I did watch that when it streamed live, but that was like mm-hmm. a while ago now. Yeah. So yeah, it's cool. Are you cool. a fan? Are you a fan of Chris Martin and like Coldplay and stuff? Like, what are your thoughts there? I feel I, like it's such a divisive uh, opinion. I honestly haven't listened to much of their material post. Um, what was that album? They had that really good album and kind of the like like oh nine ten. Yes. That whatever that that album was was really good. I I I don't mind them. You know, I I'm yeah. one that you know, and it's kind of part of our on the rock show is we really just celebrate rock and roll. I mean, I I'm I'm fine with I'm fine with Coldplay. Like I don't I don't care for right. a lot of their newer things, um but mm-hmm. their older stuff is really good and you know, speaking of sad songs, "Fix You," come on. Oh, it's one of the best. Come on, that that. Oh yeah, I like, can't. Yeah, love that I love song. That song yeah. so much. love that song. Yeah. They, they, yeah, a lot of their older material I enjoy. I'll defend Coldplay. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they're bad. I th- yeah, I think a lot of people would agree with you there. I, it's just it seems like they've like taken this turn in pop culture recently, where they're like, I don't want to use this term because it's a heavy way of saying it, but it's almost like they're like the Nickelback. Yeah. Of, I was just going to mention that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like, Oh, like, you know, my wife dragged me to a Coldplay concert and it was like, you know, it is what it is. I'm like, I don't get that. Like, I feel like if I went to a cold Coldplay concert, I would be so stoked and it would be like yeah. one of the best nights of my life. Cause regardless <laughs> of whether I liked their current music right now, which again, I don't have much of an opinion on because I haven't really listened to it. Mm-hmm. Same as you. I loved Viva La Vida. I was like obsessed with it. I thought it was an amazing album, but Beyond that, I didn't really listen to Coldplay much, but from what I understand about Chris Martin and Coldplay is they have like an amazing stage presence and they put on a really great show. And I just don't get why they have like something took a turn in recent years with Coldplay, like that everybody just makes fun of them now. And I'm not really sure. That's why I wanted to ask you that, because it's like, why do people hate Chris Martin so much? Like, what what the fuck happened? He's a great guy. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's something where they they put on a they put on a fantastic show. And uh, yeah, exactly. I'm sure you have the time of your life. Nickelback's, I think, very, very good comparison. Creed is another one as well, where uh, like let's stick with Nickelback here. Um, Nickelback. Like when they first started, they had some great songs and yeah. at some point around the time, like kind of early 2000s, they start like the photograph, you know, that mm-hmm. era, they started releasing songs that were lyrically so bad and they're like almost hilarious to read. And yeah. they like kind of got scoffed at by like for just selling out completely, you know, but the, the, I guess the, the point I'm trying to get at is like it basically at some point became cool to hate Nickelback and you're like, like if you think anything otherwise like people want to send you to like a mental institution or something yeah it is wild yeah it's like you know not the nickelback phenomenon i have actually (laughs) seen nickelback live in concert believe it or not i i have seen yeah yeah, i saw them and i saw them in 2010 and again it was actually like it was actually pretty damn fun there's lots of fire there's actually people going to nickelback oh yeah even with the reputation that they have oh yeah that's incredible to me like it's it's (laughs) how do i describe it? it's like you know acdc is a band that 
like lyrically, they're not exactly like they're not exactly Eddie Vedder, you know, right. like the song Big Balls by ACDC. Like that's not that's not Imagine, you know, but it's like no one shits on ACDC. You know, they play the yeah. same three chords every song, but it's like, oh, it's ACDC. They kick ass, right. which they do. I love ACDC, but it's like I think people just need to lighten up a little bit like. You know, Nickelback's yeah. got some good songs. They got some that suck, and that's okay. It's the same with Creed. Creed, Creed has a couple of good songs. Yeah. And you know what? I'm I'm into cheesy power ballads. And if, uh, you know, arms wide open, my sacrifice comes on. I'm, arms I'm, wide open. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Me yeah, too. I'm Scott so Stapp, into it. So into it. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I also think it's funny you mentioned that. I was actually thinking of this earlier today as well. How I think our generation is much less like into these music rivalries because when i was just gonna say that when i i so i had brad on on the rocks like a year ago and i had asked him like was you know was was the pearl jam versus nirvana like actually a thing because i thought ah maybe it's just something that was kind of just hyped up by the media and he was like oh no like you were like one camp or the other like that blows my mind like i i know that that's still a thing today where like your team whatever team whatever you know team team edward team jacob that shit you know but it's like (laughs) It's 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 like that I was like twelve years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not a very uh, relevant reference right now. But, I know what you mean though. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's like I, I don't know. Like, there's no two musicians where I'm like, God, I I would never listen to that band. You know, it's like it's no. I don't know. But like I, on the other hand, though, I do get like, okay, if you're if you you are having like a debate of some kind of like I don't know best rock bands ever and someone's like oh I think Nickelback is you know I think Nickelback and uh the Eagles and Bruce Springsteen are the best bands ever I'm like okay well let's that's gonna make no sense yeah I was like let's pump the brakes buddy like let's (laughs) forgot the Beatles Rolling Stone um but yeah that yeah I kind of another another tangent um but that's okay yeah, I'm, no, I, I'm 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 fine. I'm I'm a lover of music, and I think yeah. every band has something good to offer. You just got to dig a little deeper. I agree, and I am always in the camp of I can hate the way music sounds or whatever, or the way a band does their thing. I can personally not like it, but what is I don't understand what the sense in like taking a huge shit all over it is. Yeah. Like there are people out there who like truly value that what this band is putting out there and I don't because if someone came along and like you know did that with Pearl Jam with me like it would be like you know part of me feels like I I would just be like oh whatever but it would like hurt my feelings yeah uh, in a sense and I would never want to like be the person that that tears down someone's band and um I that's why I just like you said like this whole like concept of music rivalry is just it's kind of like a blasphemous thing I'm not to say that I wouldn't have part partook partaken Mm -hmm. in the whole like pearl jam versus nirvana thing back in the day because that's just what you know pop culture was giving you i was team edward you know i had a team (laughs) (laughs) so like it it is a thing i get it but you know i'm not i just i just don't get it and you know maybe we'll get some hate mail for giving nickelback and creed some space on this podcast but everybody deserves (laughs) their space and you know at the end of the day i kind of just like feel bad for these guys that like nickelback has just become the hugest butt of the musical joke and i just i just i don't i don't know why yeah, they deserve it, it. like there it, are probably worse bands out there <laughs> yeah like it's you know it's it's funny too like my a lot of my close friends and i we we always say this how we enjoy listening to nickelback the same way we like watching a bad action movie 
Like there's some right. movies that are terrible, but they're like unintentionally funny. So like when mm-hmm. Rockstar comes on in a bar by Nickelback, like that song <laughs> just makes me laugh. It's not a, it's lyrically a, just a terrible song, but it's like that song is funny to me. I, I can't. But like, and you could like sing every lyric to that yeah. song. Oh, I'm yeah. Sure, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it, it's, it's, it's like that like cracks me up. And I guess I kind of always like when people get so upset over something that stupid too. Yeah. You know, like this, this is not worth your energy. I don't understand no, and, it. And I love it. I love seeing people get riled up about it too. Like this is a sports example. I don't know if you'll get or not, but like 10 or so years ago, Tim Tebow, name ring a bell. Yeah. Old, Tim, Tim Tebow, yeah, like, like won this playoff game and he's not a good quarterback, but he beat this really good team. And people were like either for him or just actively against him. And I'm like, this is hilarious. Like watching people freak out over this thing. Like that, that stuff just makes me laugh so much. Like, like recently it it came out that Scott Stapp from Creed is, is going to play Frank Sinatra in like a, (laughs) in like a Ronald Reagan biopic movie and the internet lost its mind. And I'm like, I am all in on this. (laughs) Yeah. let, Let me, let me repeat that. Scott Stapp, lead singer of Creed, will be playing Frank Sinatra in a Ronald Reagan biopic. Take my money. Take my money. Are you kidding me? Can I just say something? (laughs) I thought when you first said that, when you said Ronald Reagan, I thought you meant Ronald McDonald. (laughs) I am literally, I am dead over here right now. Again, Ronald McDonald, take my money as well. I would also pay a lot of money to see that. Oh my god, that yeah. is hilarious! I mean, again, do do whatever makes you happy, Scott. Step, yeah. but what on earth? Yeah, Smash Mouth, come on, sign me up. Oh my god, what other, what other? Smash I know Mouth. it's so funny. I will so, say that yeah. my friend, my friends, I, I actually don't Smash like, Mouth. I actually don't like Smash Mouth that much, but yeah, uh, my friend, so, you know, they were like a one hit wonder <coughs> kind of yeah. back in the nineties and stuff, but my friends saw them, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago at like some random park concert and they were like, they were like awful. They were like, a, yeah. t- like they can't believe that it was like Smash Mouth, this band that was so big in the nineties. They were like, it was like the mm-hmm. worst show we've ever been to. Yeah. I don't not. know anything about them really, except for the one song, but yeah, I think the lead singer did some drugs and that affected yeah that tends to happen vocal performances yeah yeah that's but uh yeah love love music don't be don't be a gatekeeper don't just just lighten up everyone like lighten up yeah lighten up let people love what they love yeah i mean healthy rivalries to an extent that that's what keeps people on their toes but you know we don't need to be yeah and and like just one more thing on this too it's like there's also (laughs) almost every band I feel like has a song that just, you know, like maybe it stinks, maybe it's uh, overplay, whatever it is. Like one that comes to mind right now is Dave Matthews. Like Dave Matthews is one of the most well-regarded live musicians yeah. ever, right? Just a, a touring machine every single summer, switches up the set list every night. And like, I mean, the Ants Marching, I mean, that song yeah. is just ridiculous. Good. I mean, it probably was a good song. It's overplayed, but like, I mean, like when you hear it's an ants, overplayed song. Yeah, it's like when you're bam, ants marching, you bam, don't think bam, of like, bam. oh, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah people, 
people love Dave Matthews, and that's oh, yeah. another thing. People people love him, or the people fucking hate him, and people yeah. fucking hate him, and they don't even really know why they hate him. Yeah. Like D- they can't really put a finger on what makes the what grinds their gears about yeah. Dave Matthews. Well, they hate Dave Matthews. Just do yourself a favor and just YouTube some live performance, some like twenty minute jam yeah. of his. It's it's uh, it's excellent. I actually have seen Dave Matthews live, but I think I was, I was probably around 18 at the time. And I was super into the album that came out, uh, the, the Gru Grux King, Mm -hmm. that album. Um, I was obsessed with it. So I went and saw Dave Matthews live and I just don't think that I was able to appreciate, um, him in the proper way. Because like I said, I was like 17, 18 years old. I was at City Field. It was in the middle of the summer. It was like sweaty and gross and all they just would not stop playing their instruments. Yeah. And I like now I think I could appreciate it if I went to a show like that and especially if I like, had a seat and like a nice cold glass of water. <laughs> but at the time I was like I did not get it. I, di- I didn't understand the whole Dave jam band thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, then I go to a Pearl Jam concert and I want to listen to Mike rip a solo for three minutes and like not like I don't care about that. So I just think I was not at the right point in my life to appreciate that. But yes, I have experienced the whole, the whole Dave craze and the whole, mm-hmm. you know, jam band thing. And it's, it's intense. Oh, you really, oh, yeah. you really have to be strapped in for it. Yeah. And, and you know, another thing I wanted to mention too, and even you can even kind of tail this back into like our Nickelback talk too. It's like, I do think every band has something to offer, you know, like right. maybe it's not their hits, maybe it's their deeper catalog. Uh, maybe it is their hits and their deeper stuff isn't as good. I don't know. But, uh, there's there's so much music out there left to be explored and like dave is is one of them where like you maybe have only heard ants marching but you're like oh there's this whole other world you know right. of dave and like talk about jam bands like i recently got into fish like i oh, yeah <laughs> I, I love fish and i'm like almost afraid to like I, I like i want to like slowly explore a little more but like that's another fan base where it's oh, yeah. like intense and I guess it, intense maybe is the the wrong word since it's more of a you know lighter vibe at the show. But like they they like like th- this is it's it's Pearl Jam's kind of similar in the way where yeah they they switch the set list up every night. But like I don't think Pearl Jam fans log each set list like as they're at the show. Like like Fish fans or like Grateful Dead fans will all keep notebooks of like. Right. Oh, they they played they played Tweezer Reprise with the with a Prince Caspian tag back into Tweezer Reprise, and then they went into Farm like they'll they'll like they'll write notes of the whole set list as it's going on. It's like oh wow, like, that's awesome. That like, is so awesome. Yeah. It's like if if I didn't understand the world of like Pearl Jam nerdery, I would mm-hmm. probably be like, what the fuck? But I like totally get it, and I totally appreciate that people could get so into it like yeah. that. I yeah, yeah. Really to, to me, to me, Pearl Jam is like they have a lot of those elements that grateful yeah. dead and, and fish and Dave Matthews, even for that matter, like a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of what those fan bases have, but they still, you, you know, you're going to hear some of the same songs in their set list at yeah. this point. Like they will play a lot of the same songs, but yeah, they, def- um, they definitely will. And they're yeah. not as jam bandy. Like they have jam band moments. Um, but that's not, that's probably like maybe like 5% of what their set is mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, Dave or fish or, you know, those types of bands that that's kind of what the core of their shows yeah. are. I, w- I will say that I used to work when I was young, I was a teenager. I worked at um, the Jones beach theater. Oh, um, that's a, yeah. And uh, I, I worked. Yeah. It, it's a great, it's a great um, venue. If anybody out there ever has a chance to see a show there, it's so fun. 
Um, but, you know, working there, not as glamorous or fun. <laughs> um, I worked at the food court and um, every year that I worked there, there was a fish concert. <laughs> and that was a tough night to work. Oh, my God. I'm <laughs> the sure. Food court. It was like oh, that's hilarious. Just, yeah. Just a bunch of like fucked up, messed up people. And, yeah. and you know, they're all stoned off their ass. Oh, yeah. And so they're all every single person in there is ordering like. 15 meals it was just it was always a nightmare it was like oh my god i can't i do not want to work fish i and can't then, i can't and, work and you know they're night. playing there like three nights in a row uh, exactly Two, yeah exactly yeah oh, never a funny. one night thing yeah that is really funny good um times, good time so speaking of jam bands and kind of kind of turned it back into nothing man here uh i <laughs> surprisingly there's not many covers of nothing man on youtube like, like famous covers i call them like of other bands playing the song um, one of them was uh, from Government Mule. I don't know if you ever heard of them, but they're more of a Southern-based no. <clears throat> jam band. They're kind of like um, Widespread Panic. That's another jam band from uh, from the South. But they're uh, anyway. They they do a cover of Nothing Man, and the only other one I could yeah. find was uh, Sean Morgan from Seether did a cover. And it's really good. Is that the guy who also doesn't he cover a Nirvana song also? Um, At some point, yes. like for a serious XM set, I could yes. be mixing him up with someone else. Yeah, he he does an excellent job on both of those covers, and and it's it's such a weird video too because it's like him, and I'm assuming uh, the, the the guitarist for Seether, they're just playing at like a dive bar. It's oh, it's like real it's really weird, but it's like it's really a great performance though. Would highly encourage everyone I ne- to check it out. It's on a- I never, yeah, I never thought to look up to see if anybody yeah. covered the song. So thanks for adding that in. Yeah, and like other than that, I really can't find much else on uh, Nothing Man out there. Yeah, I think we pretty much, I think we've exhausted this one. Yes, you might want to, <laughs> among, yeah, listen to this, <laughs> listen to this episode in, in chunks, probably. Yeah, yeah just- in parts, possibly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So I think, uh, you know, I think we've pretty much said everything we want to say about the song Nothing Man. And, you know, Mark, I just want to thank you for being having, you know, this was a great conversation about everything. And, you know, I think a lot of people might have some stuff to say <clears throat> about a lot of the things that yeah. we've touched on. And <laughs> Nickelback maybe included. Yeah, anyway. oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, if you if you haven't already, go check out Mark's. Mark, why don't you plug your uh, your stuff? Because you could let people know where to find it. Yeah, absolutely. Can I, uh, Kate? I hate to do this. I I have one more thing I have to address since I'm on a Pearl Jam podcast. Real oh, quick. of course. Um, don't apologize. I'll make this very quick. I saw this headline the other day that made me laugh really hard. So Loudwire put an article out about um, a Pearl Jam cover band in the oh, UK. Oh, I read this. Did you read too. that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They 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 received an aggressive cease and desist letter from. Mm-hmm the band's legal team because their their name was Pearl Jam with two M's. Yes. <laughs> what a great name. That cracks me up so much. And then they changed their name to Legal Jam. The the did they re- oh, see that I did yeah, not see. I just like, saw that. Yeah, that's hilarious. I just I can I, I was like, man, like Pearl Jam was aggressive. I'm like, well I I guess like you just added another M to their I name. know you when I first saw that, I was like, you know, I'm like kind of surprised that Pearl Jam took that route or whatever. But they really just took the name of the band. Like, 
without yeah. their permission. They just added an M. The, the name of the band sounds the same. You yeah. pronounce it the yep. same way. That's like it's a little. They they're lucky they got away with that for as long as they did because yeah. they have been around a while. Yeah, that's that's exactly what someone in the comments said. It's like if you close your eyes and you say both of those names, they're the exact same <laughs> band. Exactly. It's it, it's so it's just a, it just kind of amazes me like how quick those legal teams are. Like I have I have a um a brewery a craft brewery like right down the road from me. And when Eddie Van Halen died, they made this beer called eruption IPA and Mm -hmm. the logo is um, Mount St. Helens. Mm -hmm. So it's like this crater, right? This mountain with a giant gap in it. And then their logo is usually above where the, the, the gap is in the mountain. And for the eruption one, they basically just put the VH, the Van Halen logo in there. And within a week they got like a cease and desist. And it was just like, God, that was quick. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I mean, you kind of yeah. stole their logo, but um, yeah. yeah, amazing. Amazing. Yeah, but, it, that is that is noteworthy. Yeah. Uh, that's the most news we've heard about Pearl Jam in yeah. a while. So. <laughs> I, know, I was like, God, this is great. It's worth noting. Yeah, yeah. yeah I had, had to mention that. But anyway, uh, yes. if you want to listen to our podcast, we're on the Rocks podcast. Uh, we're on Spotify and Stitcher and uh, Apple Music. Um, Apple Podcast, rather, not Apple Music. Um Subscribe, follow along. That'll be the easiest way to uh, consume all of our content. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at On the Rocks Podcast as well. Um, unlike your podcast name, Kate, uh, ours isn't that unique. So there's like a thousand On the Rocks you got to sift through. So <laughs> yeah, look look for the one with the uh, rock fist holding like a glass of scotch. That's the easiest yes. way to. Uh, and I'll, I'll try to uh, maybe post about your logo at least on our instagram story or something that way yeah. people do want to find you they know where to find you so yeah but yeah that's uh that's the um best place <laughs> to find us we haven't done too many episodes recently but we should be by the time this is released we should have another one out um we plan on talking about the new foo fighters record yeah, which awesome. is released very soon i believe so yeah thank you so much for having me on this is really fun kate uh, no, I mean, I have to thank you for coming on. I agree. I had a great time. Um, lots of good stuff discussed. Uh, again, if you want to find us on the social medias, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. We're not, we're on Twitter, but I'll be honest with you. We don't really use it. I think Twitter's a garbage mm. dumpster fire and I'm oh, scared of it. Yeah. So I don't use it anymore. <laughs> um, uh, we, you can reach us via Gmail. Um, if you want to comment on one of the many topics we have discussed today, we are pjporchpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Patreon, patreon.com slash the porch podcast. Um, I believe I covered everything. So once again, Mark, thank you so much. Um, my name is Kate. And I'm Mark. And we appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks, guys. Yeah.